Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Man, I love that video. That intro video awesome. gets me pumped every time. Never gets old. Hopefully, we're going back to the days of running in touchdowns up by 20-plus points in the fourth quarter. One can hope. Let's take baby <laughs> steps, though. I miss those days. <laughs> and you and me both. All right, everybody. This is your preview of the Los Angeles Rams and uh, Los Angeles Chargers preseason, show, preseason game. So... We're going to try to keep this kind of short and sweet for you guys. The plan here is we are going to go over the uh, the depth chart the Chargers released yesterday. Just kind of go over some things that stand out to us. Um, honestly, there isn't a whole lot there, but we'll, I'm sure we have, we've got a couple of things we can discuss. And then we'll go right into the game, kind of focus on storylines, camp position battles, uh, players, and some position groups that we're interested in. And that'll be it. So what do you think, Craig? You ready to go? Yeah, man, let's get this thing rocking. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and share a screen here with um, with the, the depth chart so we can see it and go over it together. Um, all right. So go ahead and scroll up. Okay. So we're, we'll start with offense since it's at the top of the list and there aren't really a whole lot of surprises on the offensive side of the ball. Um, obviously, you know, quarterback is pretty well set. Got Justin Herbert leading the way Easton stick and Max Duggan. Anything here stand out to you? Anything you're interested in seeing or maybe you don't want to see moving into the preseason? Uh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you it is. So, so, yeah, I mean, we're definitely not going to see Justin Herbert. So we'll be subjected to Easton Stick and Max Duggan in a battle of the uh, guys we never want to see actually touch the field. But since we don't have a choice, uh, 
I'm really interested to see how much competition Max gives Easton. Um, if it helps him elevate his level of play now in this offense. Well, I mean, it's everybody's first year in this particular scheme, but Easton's been around for a while. So, you know, there should be some level of improvement. We've seen some stuff here and there uh, based on some training camp film. I know you and uh, Garrett were out there, so you guys kind of have some more firsthand looks at uh, how Easton performed and uh, Max as well. But, yeah, just curious to see how the offense functions, how much they run RPOs, things of that nature, um, how often they get the quarterbacks on the perimeter. And I don't expect to see a whole lot of accurately thrown balls out there. But, I mean, when you have both of these two quarterbacks who are more so lauded for their um, athleticism, you got to take what you can get. Yeah, so, you know, you mentioned we were at camp on Sunday. Um, not a whole lot to glean from what we saw at camp from the quarterbacks. Obviously, Justin is Justin. He's making adjustments at the line of scrimmage. Lots of talk this preseason about Justin being quicker to recognize things at the line of scrimmage and get the Chargers into out of plays more quickly, which can help them play at a faster pace. And they have, in fact, been playing at a fast pacing camp, which is something that I think we've all really been clamoring for is, uh, you know, increased tempo from the offense because they ju they've just seemed really slow the last two years with the exception of some, you know, um, periodic upticks in tempo in the red zone. They really haven't moved all that fast. Um, and in terms of Stick and Duggan, they are pretty much what you expect them to be. Uh, the one thing that I took away from watching them is I don't ever want to see them play again. <laughs> but beyond that, I think, you know, they're, they seem to be intrigued with Duggan's athleticism, his mobility. Uh, the first, I don't know, three or four plays that he ran uh, in 11 on 11 on Sunday were uh, read options. So they were trying to get him out on the edge of the defense and let him make decisions and run the football. And he had some pretty big runs, made some big things happen with his legs. So that is an encouraging thing, kind of a wrinkle. He's probably he's a little bigger than stick, probably a little bit more athletic, a little faster. And he kind of plays the game like a fullback when he's running the ball. He's looking to run people over. So kind of a different style than what we're used to seeing uh, in terms of throwing the ball. I mean, he really he made one throw that was over five yards. Everything else was underneath uh, Duggan. It just looks like things are moving fast for him, really fast for him right now. So would not expect that to change a whole lot in the preseason, maybe a little bit. Uh, but I think the offense in general will be kind of limited in the preseason, especially in this first game. I think we'll see a lot of short and maybe some intermediate throws and they're going to try to work the running game in. So, uh, not really expecting too much from these guys. I kind of doubt Duggan's going to push stick for QB two, but we shall see, uh, running back kind of right into that with the, um, with the mention of the running game, not a whole lot to see here either. Anything stand out to you here, Craig? No. <clears throat> and um, I think what we are going to benefit from in this game on Saturday and throughout the preseason is uh, I would imagine as, as the games and weeks go on, the passing game evolves a little bit. So they allow those guys to open it up just a tad. But what we do get to see is more of the running game. And that will give us a better look at some of these options behind Austin Eckler, primarily Isaiah Spiller versus Joshua Kelly. Uh, you know, Joshua is definitely your RB2 right now going into the year. Um, not sure how much has been happening out 
with Spiller with regard to uh, his performance at camp. I saw a few clips here and there, but I haven't heard a ton about him. I have heard some positive things, mostly positive, but um, it's not like, you know, people have been raving about his performance. Uh, but we'll get an opportunity to see what we kind of always known about, you know, him with regard to uh, a competition versus Kelly. Spiller's the more natural runner. So he'll get more than his fair share of carries to prove just how effective he can be. He'll also be doing it behind a second, third team, in some cases, four string offensive linemen. So he's going to really have to work for it. But uh, that's where he shines a little bit more than Kelly, um, I would say, because Kelly's more of a see the hole, get there directly downfield, maybe a one cut guy where Spiller can make a guy miss, maybe create a little bit more for himself by being patient. He's got quicker feet. And like I said before, he's a more natural runner. Um, so that's the obvious. We're talking about uh, Elijah Dotson and Tyler Usman. Uh, I'm a fan of Elijah Dotson's running style. I've compared it a little bit to Austin Eckler's in the way that he has a little bit of wiggle in the open field. And um, he's a guy that can really move when he has some space. Um, Usman's more of a thumper, uh, not as athletic, but I'm curious to see like just kind of the compare and contrast between the styles and see how guys are able to be effective behind the lesser offensive lines blocking for them. But they're really going to have to do their best to stand out. And uh, Spiller is someone that I'm rooting for. Uh, I would imagine said this before that throughout the season, he's going to have an opportunity to carve out some really big time carries for himself and maybe split the difference between both he and Kelly and uh, maybe give Eckler a little bit of a break. You know, he's been asking for it now for a couple of years. So it's going to be these uh, guys time to shine. Yeah, actually something stands out here to me that I didn't catch when I first looked at this list. I don't know if you caught it either. There's no Larry Roundtree on this list. Oh, I hmm. did not notice that. Maybe his name is just as invisible as he is on the field. I don't know, but I don't see him on the list. Maybe we imagined him this whole time. Maybe, maybe he was just a bad, bad dream. Um, you know, you mentioned that Spiller is the more natural runner, that he's better in space. I would add that he's also a much better receiver, uh, yes. better route runner, more, more able to get the ball down the field in the passing game. In fact, there were reports out of camp today that he made a couple of big catches. I think he had like a 30-yard hookup either from Stick or Herbert in tight coverage. So Spiller is a guy who I think adds a lot more to the passing game, potentially as both a blocker and a receiver than Joshua Kelly does. Um, I'm sure, uh, you know, based on what we're hearing out of camp, it sounds like both these guys are going to have much larger roles in the offense this year. So it'd be curious to see, or interesting to see how those roles evolve over the preseason and in the early parts of the season. Uh, it just seems like Spiller should be primed to get a really large role and maybe be ready to take over as RB one. Hopefully I'm sure that's the plan. Uh, you know, assuming they don't bring Eckler back next year. So Spiller's a guy who I could see being kind of a fourth quarter closer. I could see him being kind of a vulture for Eckler's touches in the red zone. Um, maybe be a, you know, a fourth down kind of guy. I think there's a lot of things you can do with Spiller um, that, that Kelly maybe just doesn't quite offer. So a lot, a lot to, a lot to watch there and a lot to, to see unfold as we move into the preseason. You know, I, I, we talked about this when we did the roster breakdowns. I just don't see how Dotson or Hoosman have a shot at making this roster. Um, maybe one of them, well, I'm sure one of them will probably stick on the practice squad, but um, this is not your typical Chargers team where, you know, 
you're, you've got a good bet of a, of a UDFA running back making this, this roster. I, I just don't see how that happens this year. I think the numbers don't allow it. And I just think there's, I think they have more than what they need more than enough at that position between um, Eckler, Kelly and Spiller as Kelly and Spiller continue to grow in the offense that they don't need to carry four running backs. I think it would be kind of wasteful to be honest with you. Yeah. Now, um, what I was also thinking about, by the way, just by virtue of this being Kelly's last year under contract, they're probably going to force more Spiller into the offense as well, just because, you know, like you mentioned, unless they plan on bringing Eckler back, um, he's definitely going to at least be RB2 next year at the very worst. So if they don't have designs, which I mean, unless they brought him back for dirt cheap uh, on bringing back Kelly, then Spiller is just kind of automatically going to get almost like uh, thrusted into more of an RB2 role. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of the way it's going to go. I think you know you'll probably see them getting a fair split and even split of touches early in the season, and then assuming Spiller makes the most of his opportunities, um, I think you'll start to see them kind of lean more towards Spiller just because he's got you know three years left on a, on his contract and he's going to be here, and we don't know yep. if Kelly's going to be here or Eckler's going to be here. I think that's a good point. Um. Not much to see here at fullback, Xander Horvath. We all agree he's going to make the roster, so we can move on from there. Um, wide receiver, also not a whole lot to see here. You know, I think um, we know who the top five guys are going to be, what regardless yeah. of how they're listed on this roster. So you, do you see anything that stands out to you, Craig? Not necessarily. What I am curious about is how much John Hightower actually plays in the preseason. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't personally heard anything about Jalen Guyton at all. Um, I may have missed an update on, you know, his injury status, what his prospects looking like right now, like when he may be able to participate. But as of right now, um, if the charges are going six wide receivers, that number six spot is pretty much solid, been solidified by John Hightower. Um, it, I mean, not just my opinion, it seems to kind of be the consensus there. So, how much of him do you see in the preseason? I'm sure he'll get some run on special teams as a returner. He'll probably get some significant snaps. But as we go into, you know, the second, third game, um, are they going to start tapering back on the amount of snaps he gets because they already plan on him being someone who contributes on the offense and not necessarily want to take a chance of risking him per se? Um, I actually think it probably goes the other way. I think, mm. you know, we're not going to see a whole lot of Keenan and Mike in the preseason, nor should we. Um, I think we'll probably see a lot of Palmer early in the preseason, probably this week and maybe in the first half of next week. Um, we'll probably see a fair amount of Quentin Johnston, but I think I think you're going to see a lot of Hightower just to see how he handles the competition and the speed of the game because he wasn't on the field last year. So I think they're going to want to find out what they have in terms of a route runner, um, see if his hands play in games. It's one thing to catch deep balls in practice. You got to see that he's going to make those plays against, you know, tighter, more physical coverage from guys who are fighting to make the roster, fighting to make a team. So my guess is Hightower plays a lot. I'm I'm actually looking forward to seeing him. He's one of the guys we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later when we talk about the preseason game. But he's a guy that I'm excited to see. He looked really good when we were there on Sunday. Um, and I think Hightower is a guy who – is probably in a really good position to force the chargers to carry six wide receivers, you know, where that sixth spot comes from. I'm not really sure, but I think he can, I think he's in a spot to make Jalen Guyton expendable. 
Uh, and if he shows that he can perform in the preseason games, then it might make the Chargers just a little bit more comfortable with carrying six wide receivers, knowing that they don't really need Darius Davis to produce as a wide receiver or contribute as a wide receiver in his rookie year. And he can just focus on returns and they can develop him on the side, which I think is the plan with him anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree at all. I would much rather see Hightower get more run. Just thinking about, you know, when we're talking about niche wide receivers, and he's actually shown himself to be more than just a deep ball guy. Um, he seems like he's handling um, DBs pretty well. His routes look, I'd say significantly more advanced than a Jalen Guyton's. So yeah, uh, as many snaps as he can get, I'm all for seeing. Uh, they have to find out what they have in him. Just curious as to whether or not, you know, as the weeks go by, they reduce that a bit just not to risk him because if something were to happen, then that's one less quote unquote speed guy that you have. So I'm just not sure how cautious they want to be with him, but I hope they let him rip too. Yeah, the other thing that I, I just to throw out there, I, I had not seen Keelan Doss in person prior to Sunday, and that dude felt like a tight end. He is huge. Yeah. Um, don't think he's going to make the team necessarily, but certainly good shot to make the practice squad, and I was just blown away at how big he is. Um, wearing number 83, he kind of almost reminds you a little bit of Vincent Jackson. He's not that big, but he's he just looks huge for a guy who's listed at like 6'2", 215 or whatever it is. He looks massive. Fills it um, out. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, tight end, but not really a whole lot to see here. Um, I still think they go with four tight ends. I think we know who those four tight ends are. Maybe one of Camp Moyer and Iziki makes the practice squad, but I haven't heard really anything about Iziki in camp. Likewise with Camp Moyer, I haven't heard really anything. If either one of those guys is going to make the team, it's probably going to or make the practice squad, excuse me, um, I mean, one of them probably will just by based on numbers, but I'm not, I don't think there's anything too exciting about either one of those guys right now. They're, they both got some work to do and not a whole lot to see here, in my opinion. Yeah. So I heard this really wild report. It was from CBS Sports. It was a few days ago. Can't remember who it was. Um, I heard it in passing, but he spoke about whomever this was, was reporting on the tight end group. And he says that it was the, one of the biggest question marks on the team. And I thought he was referencing everything behind uh, Parham and Everett. But he mentioned Stone Smart as being in the running for a starting role at tight end. And unless I miss something, I've never heard that before. <laughs> who was this? You said you don't know I don't it remember. It, I heard it in passing, but I know it was, it was a CBS Sports report. Can't remember who it was. I wasn't even doing something else multitasking and i overheard it stopped me in my tracks i didn't see who it was that said it i don't see it but with this tight end group you really never know mm. scary um, thought yeah i mean i i agree that this is a group that it's one of the biggest question marks on the roster we talked about it when we did the early 53 um a lot of question marks here a lot of unknowns kind of hanging the chargers are kind of hanging their hats on a lot of hopes and prayers here with Parham, McKitty, and Smart, to be honest with you. So I doubt he's in the running for a starting job. I, I have a hard time seeing that, but you never know with this group. There's just so many questions, it's hard to say. Yeah. My gut says that person didn't do his homework and isn't that familiar with the roster. But Yeah, I, I, I bank that you're right on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Offensive tackles, not a whole lot to see here either. We know the starters are. We know Sorrell is going to be the swing tackle um, in all likelihood. And everybody else is probably fighting for um, a practice squad spot, more than likely. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the only question I would have is just kind of watching whatever this illness was that overran the Chargers and uh, multiple guys haven't been out the last few days. Things really got to bare bones with offensive tackle. Would you really ever consider, and I'm these are guys that probably won't be making the roster anyway, so this may be a moot point. Um, you're probably more likely to maneuver one of your interior guys with outside experience out to tackle as opposed to shuffling in per like a, a Zach Bailey, who I think you know they would probably be looking at more of a, a inside presence as like a swing guard or something like that. But I don't know. I, just hearing about how the defense dominated during the scrimmage, you have to take it with a grain of salt, considering who it was that you know Bosa and Mac were rushing against. But um, yeah, I, I'm just a little curious as to what the plan would be if they ran into a situation where they had you know your top two tackles go down. Are you really comfortable shuffling in um, you know a number three or four guy based on what you've seen to this point? Um, Sorrell's out there. That is what it is. But anything beyond him, um, and that's not a great thing by any means, but anything beyond him as far as you know, having to have someone in there for meaningful snaps is pretty much a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think you're dealing with that no matter who you move in, right? I mean, you could move McFadden in, which I think is the plan, is they're going to cross-train him at every single offensive line position pretty much and just hope they don't need to use him year one. Um, but whether it's Bailey or Pleasance, I mean, Pleasance was a turnstile at the at the scrimmage on Sunday. Um, awful. Trainer was the guy who we were seeing reports the first week of camp that he was basically monopolizing uh, all of the backup left tackle roles or snaps, I should say, the first week of camp. He's listed here as a right tackle. Who knows what they're going to do there? They're not going to carry four tackles, so it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. But you're probably looking at two of these guys making the practice squad. My guess is Pleasance is not one of them based on what we saw on Sunday. He was really bad. I mean, he was going against Khalil Mack. So take that for what it's worth, but he was bad, bad, bad. Uh, yeah, I didn't I hear really, a one pleasant thing about that guy at all. I'm no, sorry. And that was, that was, was low hanging fruit. Sorry. That was terrible. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. Interior offensive line. Not a whole lot to see here. The one thing that I will say is they waived injured Nick Melsop today um, and they added a tackle in his place. So that moves Joe Hari branch. Uh, one of my favorites to sneak onto the roster a little bit up the depth chart. And it probably puts him in direct competition with Brendan Hymas for mm-hmm. that kind of swing interior offensive line role, at least at this point in the season. So uh, you know, Preseason depth charts being what they are, who knows how accurate this stuff is. But right now, at least on paper, it looks like Branch is a guy who, if he performs well in the preseason, could find himself competing with Brendan Hymas um, as a swing kind of interior offensive lineman. So something to keep an eye on. Yeah, we're pretty much on the same page there. Um, definitely looking at Branch's competition for Hymas. That's the matchup that um, I'm really going to have eyes on. 
we know at this point, Hymas is probably on his last legs. And unless he does something miraculous here in the preseason and suddenly turns on the dominant switch, then uh, probably a safe bet to say he doesn't make the roster. Yep. I agree. I think they're kind of done with the Brendan Hymas developmental project. It just seems like they've gone out of their way not to put him on the field when they had opportunities to uh, the last couple of years. So uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if he sticks, but anything is possible at this point. Uh, next group, interior defensive linemen. There's a lot of movement in this particular group. We obviously know Austin Johnson and Otito Ogbonia are on the pup list. Sebastian Joseph Day is banged up and probably would not have played in the preseason, at least not played much in the preseason as it is. Um, so right now they, you know, you're looking at guys like Nick Williams, Gerard Clark, and Christopher Hinton as the primary uh, nose tackles in this group. Um, everybody else is really a, a three technique or kind of a five technique in this group. So um, I think we're going to see a lot of Nick Williams, a lot of Christopher Hinton, and a lot of Gerard Clark. Clark looked like he was pretty well cemented with that group of twos, at least for right now with the injuries they have um, on Sunday in the scrimmage. And he was pretty disruptive. He had a couple tackles for loss and he forced a fumble against Spiller. So uh, he had a good showing in the scrimmage and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, in the preseason. Yep, absolutely. Um, made it well known. It's documented that Gerard Clark holds a special place in my heart. Uh, as much as I like Abonia, uh, Clark finds himself in a very advantageous situation, kind of step in and take snaps as that true nose tackle presence and um, someone with the potential to become uh, a pocket collapser on top of just a, a you know a run stopper. Uh, next to that, seeing Scott Matlock is something that I'm really excited about. Um, can he prove himself over the preseason to be a consistent disruptor um, in a rotation to carve out a niche for himself there? Because that's something the Chargers need. Uh, you know, alongside Morgan Fox, he can be someone that can really make a name for himself in his defense. And, uh, you know, with other guys coming back as they get healthy, that could be a pretty solid rotation. So those are the two names that I am going to be watching very, very closely. Matlock got a lot of run with the ones today um, and apparently had a couple sacks and a couple tackles for loss was very productive in practice. So, um, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. He's another guy who I'm excited to see, you know, the versatility he's played some nose. He's, I think he's really more of a three technique. He can definitely play some five technique. He stood up in college. Not really sure. That's what he's going to wind up doing in the NFL, but having that guy who you can rotate, you know, from three to five, maybe play some four eye, things like that, I think is really valuable. So I'm excited to see what he can do on the interior. We will probably see a lot of him on Sunday and looking forward to that. Yeah, he's got some pretty good um, athleticism tested very well. I mean, we know that. So, again, me too. Looking forward to some ginger domination. <laughs> um, next is the edge group. I think we kind of know how this is going to break down. Uh, the only real interesting thing for me is seeing Andrew Farmer ahead of Ty Shelby, just based on Farmer being a UDFA and Shelby having a year in the system. That surprises me a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, what you're really looking at is, you know, two of those last four guys competing for a practice squad spot and the chargers in all likelihood rolling with four edges this year. And we know who they're going to be unless somebody just blows Chris Rump out of the water. So 
not a whole lot of intrigue here, but you know, kind of curious to see how Kemp plays in year two in the preseason. And I, you know, I mentioned I I'm a big fan of Farmer and Brevin Allen. I'd like to see both of those guys uh, in the preseason, and Shelby flashed a little bit in the scrimmage. Yeah, um, I think we both mentioned this, of course, when we were going through sort of our UDFA uh, overview of the guys that they picked up. Both Farmer and Allen are definitely two cats that um, I'm intrigued by. Uh, I really love Brevin Allen's athleticism. Farmer, also a really good athlete. He has more of that length that I think the Chargers like on the edge. So uh, probably one of those pet projects that Staley wants to take and groom. And uh, yeah, seeing him ahead of Shelby is a bit of a surprise. I know this is kind of one of those, you know, again, take it with a grain of salt depth charts, but I think there might be a little something to that. Yeah, I just think the the frame and the athleticism for Farmer is something that really stood out to me watching him on film. And, you know, we talked about traits, and I think there are some intriguing, developable traits for Farmer um, that may or may not necessarily be there with Shelby. So yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing some of those guys in the preseason and see what they can do, um, especially from an edge-setting standpoint because that's still an area where I think Chris Rump is going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on inside linebacker again, we kind of know how this is going to play out a uh, little surprised to see Dion Henley behind Neiman and Amon um, on the depth chart. I realize he's a rookie, but they did spend a fourth round pick on him. And I kind of figured he'd be, you know, one of the primary backups, especially with Neiman and Amon really just being special teams player for the players for the most part. Um, I'm sure that'll work itself out in the long run. Um, and there really isn't a whole lot to talk about behind Henley. Um, maybe three guys competing for one practice squad spot. Maybe, uh, I, I just think these guys are for the most part camp bodies, but we'll see how things play out in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as shocked about Neiman and Amen being ahead of Henley just because we heard them talk up Amen a lot last season. So uh, it looked like they had a lot of confidence in him. Um, So he did get a few snaps here and there. He didn't, you know, he wasn't uh, a world beater by any means, but apparently there's something there that they like. Maybe it's an instinctual thing, Uh, but both he and Neiman being core special teams guys, it's kind of how they like their linebackers, particularly um, if they're not going to be starters, they kind of earn their way up the roster by performing on special teams. So um, it feels almost like, Henley's being made to have to earn his stripes there. So I'm not super shocked that the two of them are ahead of him. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. You want your rookie to have to earn his stripes. Uh, I guess just from a defensive standpoint, you know, being on the field with the defense, I'm not sure what Neiman and Amon have done to earn their stripes, so to speak, but definitely okay with making the rookie earn his way up the depth chart. I think that's something they should have done more of probably with Kenneth Murray and it kind of backfired on him. So make him earn it, make him fight his way up the depth chart. I'm good with that. Um, 
Next, cornerback. Um, nothing too out of the ordinary here. Um, you know, they're listing Asante Samuel Jr. and Jasir Taylor as, you know, kind of co-starters in the slot. Uh, just based on what I saw at camp on Sunday, you know, Samuel started, he was started with the ones in the slot. Um, when they took the, when they took Michael Davis off the field, uh, Samuel kicked outside and played a lot of, uh, corner. So Samuel is a guy who they are cross training at corner and at the slot. He's moving around quite a bit. They obviously have a lot of faith in him. In my opinion, he looked way more physical than I remembered him being um, in previous camps. He was very uh, – chippy isn't the right word, but he was just very tough and competitive. He had some really good physical pass breakups. Uh, he's a guy who – he looks to me like he might be ready to take a big step forward. He, he started to in the playoffs last year. And it just seems like he's playing with a lot of confidence and he's locking down some bigger receivers who are known for being physical. So uh, kudos to him. Taylor, I didn't don't recall seeing him play outside. He was pretty much inside exclusively. Uh, you know, a lot of talk about that, that uh, slot corner, nickel corner uh, competition in camp. I'm not really sure how much of a competition there is just based what I, based on what I saw on Sunday and based on, you know, Samuel has that second round pick pedigree, that Taylor doesn't have, I just, I have a hard time seeing them making a decision to bury a former second round pick unless their hand is forced. Yeah. Uh, so that's a name that's been coming out as a top performer almost every day, especially after the first few days of camp. So, uh, you know, Zion performing up to um, the level that we know that, you know, his talent says that he can is not a surprise, but I think the initial plan may have been, was to uh, potentially make a decision on who starts that slot based on the opposition. So, for instance, you're going into a game against the Tennessee Titans. You know they're going to be more run heavy. You probably need a bigger guy who's a better tackler in the slot there, so you might roll with Taylor. Playing against the Chiefs, they spread you out a little bit, probably less of a run game. Uh, you'll throw Zion out there. Um, but if he is stepping up in that way, then there may not be a need to have uh, you know game plan specific personnel in that way uh again i think it's all based upon what he's shown so far uh in camp and what he shows going forward but if he can solidify that if he's more of that guy that maybe uh he was attempting to be in year one prior to all the concussions because i think that's when we saw a little bit of the aggressiveness wane a bit uh, maybe he's feeling his confidence back again and uh also having jasir push him for that spot probably sparked a little something in him. So um, good to see how that turns out. And uh, I think they'll probably roll with the Sante, um, you know, uh, as long as he's healthy in the slot, and that'll be your guy going forward. And uh, Taylor will find his way onto the field here and there. But uh, just from the way things are looking right now, it's Asante's job to lose. So my takeaway from watching, um, watching the scrimmage last week was, you know, Taylor and Leonard are – they're going to be special teams demons this year. They're going to, they're the, they were working on Sunday as the primary gunner combination and they looked really good. Yeah. Uh, and that is, I think a really good thing for the chargers to see them step up and take those roles. It's a really bad thing for Kimon hall, who I think his yeah. primary calling card for making the roster was special teams. And if Taylor and Leonard locked down those, those gunner positions, I don't know how hall makes the team 
unless they just feel he's so versatile that they have to take him. Um, Leonard had a great, very physical pass breakup on Mike Williams. I thought he might have got away with pass interference, but at any rate, he he was very physical and hand fought with Mike and went up and broke a ball. Actually, got his head around, broke up a, pat, a deep ball. Great play. So I think with you know certain guys making their way up the depth chart um, from a special team standpoint at, at the corner position, I think there's some room for some movement at the back of the depth chart right now. I think Leonard is the clear number five corner. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, Cam Brown got a lot of run outside uh, at, at the, at the scrimmage. So he's a guy I would still have my eyes on to possibly leapfrog Kimon Hall, just depending on how things shake out on special teams. Cause he's a little bigger. He's a little bit more physical. He has some solid ball skills. Uh, and I think they've got enough pieces between Samuel and Taylor and even um, maybe Woods in, cer- in a certain spot or Derwin in certain spots. They've got enough pieces who I think can move around in the slot that they might be better served holding on to somebody who's a little bigger and can play outside. And I think that's where Cam Brown might come in. So keep an eye on him. Curious to see how he plays in the preseason. I just feel like there's an opportunity there uh, if he plays well in the preseason at corner. And uh, – Kimon Hall might be on the outside looking at, at this point. I think that's what helps when we're talking about those on the bubble uh, back of the depth chart guys. Uh, the more you can do, the better your odds are. And um, if you can find a way to be able to incorporate, be incorporated into multiple spots, then uh, you'll you know, serve a specific purpose for the team uh, because we know injuries can and do happen. Uh, and if a guy goes down for any specific amount of time, if you can step in and do a serviceable job and uh, you've proven yourself to be the type of player, then you stand a very good chance of being someone who can make the squad. So wouldn't be surprised at all. Cam Brown, someone I'm really uh, interested in watching uh, throughout the preseason also. Um, safety. We'll just run through this real quick. Uh, first and foremost, uh, this depth chart is lying to us. Raheem Lane is not the third safety. Uh, anybody who is at the scrimmage or has been at camp at all can tell you that the third safety is JT Woods. Um, when they rotate Jerwin James down in the box to play in the slot or put him on the line of scrimmage as a as an edge or whatever they decide to do with him this year, JT Woods is going to be the first one off the bench to come in and play safety. That's the way they've been running it for the majority of camp. It's the way they ran it in the scrimmage. It is a little scary for a guy who really didn't play at all last year to be in that position. Uh, but he's going to get the preseason to prove himself. So we'll see how things go. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot of Woods. He was a second-team gunner in the scrimmage, and I think he's a guy who, if he shows that he can tackle, might find himself working his way on the special teams a little bit more. Um, as for the rest of that group, don't really remember seeing much out of Lane uh, at the scrimmage. Mark Webb did have a pick six. I did see him. He was wearing 29. He was living, breathing, moving, and he made a play. He is real. We will see if that continues through preseason. Uh, But for the time being, it doesn't look like Mark Webb is a figment of our imagination. It looks like he is an actual person. Hopefully that continues. Um, With the rest of the group, A.J. Finley was a guy we kind of targeted as a potential guy to, you know, play some split safety, maybe play some single high uh, and provide some versatility at the back end. Don't recall seeing much of him in the scrimmage uh, or Tyler Baker Williams for that reason. Um, but those are two guys who are probably in the end fighting for 
a practice squad spot if Mark Webb stays healthy. Um, so we'll see how that plays out over the course of preseason. I'll tell you what, man, it's good to see Mark make his way off of the milk carton because for a while there, wasn't sure what was going to happen, but uh, I've seen his name quite a few times from clips uh, in camp and just, you know, chatting uh, with you and Garrett about what's been going on from what you've seen. So happy about that uh, regarding Raheem Lane. I think he was more of a core special teams guy last year, but when we're talking about guys earning their stripes, this is where being an earlier round draft pick kind of gets you shoehorned into positions where you may not necessarily need to be. I mean, we know that's pretty much how it worked out with Kenneth Murray. This is sort of the same Jerry scenario Terry. with JT Sorry. Woods. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, God, Jesus. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it's the same thing with Woods. Uh, they use premium draft capital to go after a safety. Um, some think it was a little early, but by what we've been told, it was a guy that they felt like, uh, the league was higher on than most of everyone on the outside looking in. So this is where we are. Uh, I really and truly hope that the tackling has improved because when we've talked about this before, it's not that he doesn't have the want to, he just doesn't have the technique and he might be one of the worst open field tacklers I've ever seen. And that's <laughs> not something that typically changes in just one off season. Uh, so he's going to get a lot of opportunity to show it. If you can tackle on special teams, well, you better be able to tackle on special teams because if you're flying downfield with a full head of steam to a guy who is basically stationary, unless he has a room to operate and make you miss, then you should be able to at least wrap them up and take them to the ground. But JT Woods with anyone one-on-one -on -one in the open field at the third level is a nightmare, nightmare on Elm Street material. And I'm sincerely hoping that there was some improvement there, but it's going to show here in the preseason. And if it hasn't improved, then look, we've already seen John Johnson sign. I know how we all feel about that, but uh, you can't go into this season with uh, your second free safety being a guy who can't tackle because you're putting way too much stress on uh, levels one and two, and the safeties are significantly involved in uh, stopping the run in this defense. So hopefully there's been some improvement. All right, let's move on to special teams. Um, not really a whole lot to talk about here. I think we know who's going to win that kicking competition for the most part. <laughs> uh, punter, long snapper, and starting kick returner and punt returner are all pretty much decided. I do think we'll see some Darius Shepard and some John Hightower returning kicks at some point in camp or in the preseason, I should say. Um, but I think most of this stuff is pretty well decided already. So not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, Hightower uh, returned kicks in college also, so he has that experience. I know Darius Shepard is a specialist, but – yeah, uh, just feels like Hightower's already starting to carve out a spot for himself when you look at what he can do as a receiver or what he has done thus far in camp. And then also just taking in consideration that he does have a special teams element that he can contribute to. It just feels like he's a shoe in for uh, the sixth spot. Agreed. All right, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the preseason game real quick. So I figured what we could do is start of, start with uh, two or three position groups each that we both are looking forward to watching develop over the course of the preseason. And then we talk about some schematic things that we're looking forward to seeing. So Craig, why don't you get us started? What, what are some position groups or players that you are 
most excited to watch as the preseason gets started? Yeah, so we touched on a few of these already, but uh, interior defensive line, Scott Matlock and Gerard Clark. Uh, you know, how does Clark stand up against the run? Um, is he someone that's an immovable object? And Scott Matlock, can you be a guy that makes quarterbacks have to move off of their spot? Can you disrupt the run game? I don't even care if you make the tackle. Can you screw up the play? Can you muddy things up and create opportunities for guys at the second and third levels? Um, so just be as disruptive as possible, and I'll be happy with that. So that's probably the number one um, area that I'm looking at is interior defensive line. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I think safety for me is a big one just because like we talked about, you know, Woods is clearly the third safety coming off the bench. So he's going to be a guy who's on the field a lot when they're moving Derwin around. That's a little bit scary for me because we really had, didn't see him at all last year. Um, but that's, I, I mean, I want to get my eyes on JT Woods. I also want to see what Mark Webb can do because we really haven't seen him for two years. So yeah. curious to see what he looks like in the preseason. Um, Obviously, we talked about John Hightower, returning kicks, running routes. Can he make plays in the slot? Can he make plays outside? Uh, is he more than just a deep ball guy? Is he is he a guy who's going to be able to make some of those short and intermediate plays, maybe make some catch and run plays? Um, all things that are going to factor into his ability to make this roster. Um, and then, you know, corner. Um, kind of want to see – I want to see Cam Brown. He's a guy who I've been interested in since we watched the, the UDFAs. Um and just kind of want to see how the back part of that depth chart fills out. Um, how will how will um, Leonard do? Can he get his head around? Can he make plays on the football? Uh, things like that. So I think those are some position groups that I'm looking at. And I also think um, just kind of curious what's going to happen at the back part of the interior offensive line as well. Mm -hmm. Hymas, Branch, uh, things like that. How are those guys going to play? How, how do they distinguish themselves? And I yeah. think that's that's kind of the bulk of what I'm looking for. I think I'm really going to be watching the safeties primarily. Um, and I think that's pretty much it for, for position groups. So what, yes. what are some... So, so uh, I was, I was going to add because oh, I'm yeah. sorry, I only mentioned one, but there were a couple others. So just like you, corner. Uh, Dean Leonard and Cam Brown are my two. Um, that I'm going to be playing, paying really close attention to, specifically Cam Brown, because he's more of a physical press zone cover guy. But can he play man? Uh, so he'll get an opportunity to show what he can do. And uh, I'm curious to see if he's grown in that way, um, because in this defense, you have to be able to play man to man defense on the outside. I mean, it's not something that he was really known for in college, uh, but hopefully he's made some strides there. And uh, Leonard at corner the guy can run. But yeah. It, has he gotten any better in locating the ball, um, getting his head around? So we'll, we'll see how that progresses. Um, and just kind of lastly, yeah, the edge group. Uh, is Thule going to be automatically edge three? Is, is that just the position being given to him with rump behind him? I don't think that's been said. I think it's assumed that they're kind of like number three co, uh, the, the co number threes, but, uh, how does Thule perform and hold up on the edge, not just against the run because he's stout enough to do that, but can he show himself to be a consistent rusher off the edge and has rump improved at all in being able to set it? So uh, curious to see how many snaps each guy gets and their performances. Um, but those are kind of be 
will be the other two top positions outside of interior defensive line that I will be watching very, very closely. Yeah, I, I forgot about Thule. He's a guy who, you know, heading into the scrimmage we were talking about, has anybody heard anything about Thule? I, I had not heard anything about him making even a single play heading into the scrimmage, and he was all over the place in the scrimmage. I think he had a couple sacks, a couple uh, tackles for loss, some pressures. He was really good, and he ran with the ones and the twos at certain points during the scrimmage. So how will that translate to the preseason? Like you mentioned with Rumpf, can he set the edge? Has he developed any counters? He's really just a speed rusher right now. Uh, you know, we've talked about that at length. I just feel like for a guy whose father teaches the position, you would expect, uh, you know, more developed skill sets in terms of counters and hand usage, and it's just really not there. So how is that developing with Rump? You know, can a guy like a Carlo Kemp push Rump uh, if he's better at setting the edge? Um, so, you know, and obviously we talked about Farmer and Allen. Those are two guys who I just want to see how they look on an NFL field. You know, can they get to the quarterback? How do they look getting off the line of scrimmage? Little things like that. You know, what are they going to do to potentially earn a practice squad spot on a, on a roster that's got a lot of edges? Yeah. And um, uh, I know we mentioned – no, go ahead. No, go for it. I was going to say, I know schematically we're kind of talking about what we would be paying attention to and what I'm really going to want to see how it's developing is uh, as a whole, the secondary, how they communicate uh, playing match coverages. So, you know, four quarters, uh, cover six, even cover nine. How's the communication going out there amongst the safeties and corners? Uh, can they keep the busted plays to a minimum? Because it seems like the more complicated the defense has been in the past, the more susceptible they've been to big plays in the passing game. So um, when they come out of those man um, shells and you're not just playing two man, um, two high man, when you're mixing it up in match coverages, specifically in cover six. It almost seems like there's almost always at least a couple busted plays in six every year. So uh, curious to see if the guys having another year in the scheme have adapted to it, if they can communicate, understand passing guys off, knowing how to get uh, the amount of quality depth they need to in their drops um, on the outside and just not letting things get over the top of them or creating huge gaps for quarterbacks to destroy them in. Yeah, and I think also um, just talking about the secondary and the scheme, you know, how much did Brandon Staley learn from having to simplify things and the success they had bringing Michael Davis onto the field and simplifying coverages and just letting them press and play a lot more man and challenging people to beat their guys down the field? How, how much did he learn from that? And how much can he adjust what he wants to do to – account for what his team actually does well. Cause I think that's something that they've struggled with at times is he has a certain way that he wants to play and he has not really had the personnel, particularly on the back end to play that way. So can he put them in better positions to succeed now that he's seen them play at a relatively high level, playing a more simplified scheme? I think that's going to be something that's really worth watching. Um, the other thing is the offense. I mean, obviously the starters aren't going to be out there, um, but I just want to see kind of play design, you know, how, how are they going to go about getting people open? How are they going to help guys get open? Um, what kind of route combinations are they going to run? Are, are we going to be attacking the seam? Um, you know, are they going to find ways to attack the middle of the field? I don't really think particularly with the second and third teams, it's not really about throwing the ball deep. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's about finding ways to access the intermediate middle. 
and create 10 to 15 yard chunk plays that just make it a little bit easier to move the football because they've been throwing those three and five yard passes for the last two years for the most part and running 16, 18, 20 play drives from 78 yards out. It just takes, it's too hard to score points and they can't overcome mistakes. So can they reduce the mistakes by maybe being a little bit more efficient in the middle of the field, finding a little bit more of the intermediate, the, the intermediate middle of the field and challenge and picking up chunks mm-hmm. and creating a rhythm and a tempo, getting them the line faster, playing faster and keeping the defense on their heels. Cause the longer they take to get in, get in and out of plays, the easier it is for the defense to settle down and figure out what they're doing. So I just want to see tempo and I want to see really attacking that 10 to 15 yard range as much as they can um, to create some chunks and make things excuse me, make things easier for the offense. And it also speaks to your level of understanding your team overall, because if you're going to have those long drawn out drives where you're going 16, 17 plays and maybe only coming up with three points or none at all and just running clock, then your defense better be elite because they're going to have to keep teams to very little scoring and charges haven't shown themselves to be able to do that. So like you mentioned, the fewer plays, the less their opportunity is to have uh, situations where they have turnovers or uh, you know inopportune situations where they put themselves in bad field position, given the defense short fields to have to contend with. Uh, but I'm really interested in also offensively seeing how that run game looks. Um, how much are we talking about power as opposed to outside zone situations? How much are we using a fullback in the offense as a lead blocker? How often are you getting two tailbacks on the field at the same time? Um, guys motioning out of the backfield um, out wide, keeping one like, you know, split shotgun situations where you have tailbacks lined up to either side of you and utilizing both of them in the running game. Um, there's a lot you can do with that. When you have more than one capable back, it gives you that opportunity. And um, if you can settle that run game, man, it helps overall. And I mean, this is for Herbert late on in the season, but I would like to see it during the preseason. Also, um, you're helping your quarterback out a ton. It takes a lot of pressure off of your passing game. So number one, balance. And uh, number two, just uh, how you're utilizing the type of running scheme against the level of defense that you're playing against because uh you know running power sounds great but if you're playing against a stout defensive line that may not necessarily work out for you um you also can't run zone schemes without guys who can move so uh really curious to see how the running game has developed or what they're looking to do uh in a few preseason games i'm sure they're not going to let everything out of the bag but i at least want to see a few wrinkles here and there yeah, I think, you know, the word that comes to mind hearing you talk about the running game is identity. They really haven't had an identity for a couple of years now. They had a few plays that they liked, uh, but they really didn't know who or what they wanted to be on the ground. And I think that's something that it, at least it sounds like Helen Moore is trying to fix that. Uh, so we'll see what that is. Uh, personally, my hope is based on the offensive line they have, Hopefully that identity is a power running scheme. I don't think zone works for them. I think they need to get downhill, get out in space downhill and knock people off the football. Um, That's where they had their most success last year. And that's something I would like to see a lot more of just because I think it's a hell of a lot nastier. You can wear defenses down. um, And when you have, you know, not small, but smaller backs, um, you know, you can help them a lot by getting out in front and giving them a lead blocker to clear out a linebacker. 
So hopefully that identity is own. I'm sorry, uh, power, but we'll see how we'll see where it goes over the course of the preseason. All right. You got anything else, Craig? Oh, man, just happy that we have actual real life football to watch, um, regardless as to whether or not it's preseason. It's still real football. And uh, this offseason felt especially long. So just happy to be able to uh, plop myself down on the couch and watch a bunch of guys who probably won't make the roster. But still, doesn't matter. It's actual football and it's what we all need. We've suffered long enough. All right, everybody. Well, we promised you 30 or 40 minutes. You got almost an hour. It seems like no matter what we talk about, we're always <laughs> going to give you an hour. So hopefully you enjoyed the extra 20 or 30 minutes. Um, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Keep an eye out. Uh, I think on Saturday we have a big announcement regarding uh, TLR's new schedule and more content coming out for everybody. Um, more shows every week. So Keep an eye out for that, and that should come out Saturday, I think, right before the game. And we will see everybody. Well, I won't, but Craig and Garrett will see everybody for after hours on Saturday. I'll be on vacation, but Craig and Garrett will be here to take care of you. Absolutely, guys. We appreciate you, as always. All right, guys. Thank you. We appreciate it. And gals, um, thank you very much, and we will see you next time. Salute.